the Sports Web Podcast, uh, Monday, December 28th, 2020. And right now we are going to break into some NFL. I just gave, I haven't given you the scores yet, and I'm getting ready to get into that. But I'm going to give you the scores, maybe talk a little bit about some of these games, give you a little bit of the playoff picture, the way it is set up right now, and some things could change as soon as next week. And then we'll give you the draft order and talk a little bit about the draft order and how that's going to play out for the Eagles and how it played out for some other teams. So here we go, folks, your Week 16 NFL scores. Going back to Christmas Day, Friday, December 25th, Minnesota at New Orleans. New Orleans takes that 52-33. That was the game with the record-setting game. Six TDs by Alvin Kamara. Drew Brees sets the passing record. I think it was 80,000-yard career yards. So kudos to those two for those records and that game. Uh, moving to Saturday's games. Excuse me. Tampa Bay, 47 over Detroit, 47-7. San Francisco edges or beats out Arizona, 20-12. to Maybe some shake up there in the positioning for Arizona in the playoffs. Okay, stay tuned. Uh, Miami in a barn burner, wild one, beat Las Vegas 26-25. Yes, Rich Kamara is crazy good. And he is peaking at the right time, as a lot of us like to say. This Miami, I'm going to get back to this Miami-Las Vegas game in a, in a minute. Uh, then we move into yesterday's games. Uh, would have been some help for the Eagles if they had won yesterday. Carolina defeats Washington 20-13. to Indianapolis gives up a lead to Pittsburgh, and they fall 28-24. Kansas City edges out Atlanta 17-14. Chicago beats up on Jacksonville 41-17. Cincinnati beats Houston 37-31. The New York Giants fall to Baltimore 27-13. Ironically, in this sad year for this NFC East division, they are still a possibility. Cleveland falls to the New York Jets, 23-16. Cleveland fails to win, to lock up a playoff spot yesterday by losing their remaining game, and I'll get to that uh, when I give you my picks. Their remaining game of the season is against Pittsburgh. Win or lose, they should stay in. But then they are looking at playing Pittsburgh again in the first round of the playoffs in Pittsburgh. Not probably what they were looking at, not probably what they would like to do. Denver falls to the L.A. Chargers, 19-16. Philadelphia Eagles give up 34 unanswered points from the second quarter on to Dallas losing 37-17 and are officially eliminated from the playoff hunt. Seattle defeats the Rams 20-9. In that game, Seattle wins the NFC West. Tennessee uh, gets beat up a little bit on by Green Bay 40-14. Green Bay wins the division there and is looking at earning the number one seed in the NFC. Tonight, Buffalo at New England. This is a good game. Uh, 
doesn't mean anything for the New England Patriots, which is kind of weird to say in a sense because it's the opposite of what you would think when you say that. When you, when you think at first, you think the Patriots and you say something like, uh, like I just said, this game probably won't mean much for the Patriots. You're thinking that they've already sewn up what they needed to lock up and win first uh, number one seed or whatever when they had a number one or number two seed, yada, 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 division game, yada, yada, yada. I'm just saying it's, it's out because they have already been eliminated from playoff contention. And this is just them, like the Eagles, playing out the slate. Uh, of games so it is a little weird um it could possibly do some things for buffalo but again uh the nfl is doing a very very good job um with notwithstanding adding this extra game into the playoffs but as we know my spark my partner baldy uh usually always talks about this when he says a shout out to him i'm sure he's tuned in that they've been very good with putting division games at the ends of seasons to make it a little interesting going into the playoffs, uh, giving or making teams have something to fight for to, to get into the playoffs. Um, so they have been doing a very good job of that, and it's been playing out pretty good, um, if you ask me. Uh, Richard says the Bills are peaking at the right time. Offense is on fire. Yes, and – we know their head coach, so we know the influence in their defense because he was here and the influence in our defense at one point and one Sean McDermott. So I, I like Buffalo. Um, they are peaking at the right time, Rich. You absolutely are correct on that. I also like that offense. And Josh Allen is beginning to grow into the NFL quarterback that Buffalo thought that he would be. Uh, our boy should sit down and watch him a little bit, take some notes. Um, and like me and Baldy also like to say, not so much watch him playing the game, but watch the game within the game. Watch what he does on the field. Watch what he does on the sideline. Uh, watch if or how and when he communicates with his teammates and with his coaches. Those are things that I think um, are lost, some of the things that are lost in Carson Wentz. And it, it, that is a definite, um, Nate, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, Josh Allen finally learned not to make the crucial interception. Absolutely. Um, those are things that you can take with you um, from other players as pro players, college players, younger players that will last with you um, and help you out through tough times like some of these times that Carson Wentz are, is going through right now. So, right now, I am going to go through this schedule for week 17, the final week. And then I'm going to talk into get into a little bit of the playoffs, how I think the playoffs may end up, how I think um, the – what I think about the draft order – but oh, for our, before I forget, I'm going to go back to that Miami-Las Vegas game on Saturday night. If you haven't seen the end, of course, it's been a lot of chatter about it. You can go and find it, just like you come and find me. You can go and find that on the Internet and see how that game played out. 
there has also been a lot of discussion, a lot of small discussion in regards to their head coach, John Gruden, who has been said that he stands by his decisions. And you see some of his decision-making and what it has now done to the Las Vegas Rams. Um, he says definitely that he would like like stand by his decision. Um, but here's the thing, Mr. Gruden. Being the coach that you are, being the commentator that you are, being the football mind that you are, a lot of people may say that you know better. Um, some of the decisions is what they're talking about. The decisions that he made at the end of some of these games, which cost them um, a trip to the playoffs, is, yeah, Rich, Miami Dream was crazy. The last four minutes of the game, yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it's a little strange to kind of hear that um, in the news because a lot of times, more so than not, when you think about things of this nature, about decisions, um, it's just kind of that word in this entire situation right now. You think of a player that maybe the quarterback threw an interception uh, to one receiver and one receiver's direction when he knew that the play was to go to someone else or he knew not to force it and do something else with it. He forces it and causes an interception and, and, and loses the game, knocks you out of the playoffs, game that you really need. Or a receiver has a good play on the ball, just can't haul it in. Running back, I'm going to stretch a little bit here and play with you guys for a minute. The running back, needing that first down, Grinds it out, gets that first down, then fumbles. Defense. D-backs. Perfect play. Could have been a pick. Can't hang on to it. They live another day and yada, yada, yada. So, there's it, a lot of things you can think about in that situation or whatever. But, again, you know... For once, we see some onus on the coach for his decision-making, which ultimately caused them uh, a trip to the postseason, like I said. So, again, I'm going to give you my uh, picks for Week 17 right now. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the playoffs, a little bit about the draft order, and then we're going to, that's going to run us into our first break of the day. So, the, all these games are uh, a Sunday Miami at Buffalo. I'm taking Buffalo at home. Um, although Miami is trying to do some things with Tua, Tua is uh, reported to, to stay, to to remain the starter uh, there. So we'll see what happens there. Green Bay at Chicago. Uh, I'm still going to take Green Bay. Like I said, they right now really don't have anything to play for as far as getting into a playoff spot and where they're positioned at. So we'll do leaves. I'll still go with them uh, because Chicago 
could possibly do some wiggling or whatever, but I still like Green Bay in that game. Baltimore at Cincinnati. I, I like Baltimore. Uh, Pittsburgh at, at Cleveland. I like Pittsburgh. A lot of people thought they were down and out yesterday. They came back and, and took that game uh, in at Indianapolis versus Indianapolis. Minnesota at Detroit. Little injuries there in Minnesota. I mean, in Detroit playing out the slate. I'm going to go with Minnesota. Jacksonville at Indy. I'm going to go with Indy there. The Chargers at KC. Again, KC is locked up the number one spot. Uh, probably won't see them rest if you will players they'll want to i think they'll want to stay on a rhythm the rhythm that they're on so i'm gonna go with um kc there uh crackers are probably resting starters after the first series yeah that's what i'm saying they'll get you know some stuff in just to keep their rhythm rich i think about kansas city they'll do the same thing keep some players in to get some uh some rhythm and then move into the playoffs. The New York Jets at the New England Patriots. Although they've won two in a row, I'm going to go with the Patriots at home. Uh, the Giants at the Dallas Cowboys at the New York Giants. Game has some implication on the division. Uh, uh, uh. They just beat us. I'm going to go with the upset, the Giants there in that game. Washington at Philadelphia. Believe it or not, just because all four of these games, all I mean, all four of these teams are playing division. Going back to these two games, Dallas at the Giants, Washington at Philadelphia. These two games mean everything to the division. Although the Eagles are the outman looking in already. A lot of things could happen here. So, with what I saw yesterday, ah, forget it. I'm going with the spoiler. I'm going to go with the Eagles to send Jalen Hurts off with the win on Sunday. Atlanta at Tampa Bay. I'm going with Tampa Bay at home. New Orleans at Carolina. Again, we're getting to these games where starters will probably play one or two series. If they score, they're definitely out. You know how it goes. I'm still going to go with New Orleans there. Tennessee at Houston. I'm going to go with Tennessee. Las Vegas at Denver. <sighs> this one is... Uh, Richard says, if Alex Smith plays, Washington wins. Especially if Cox isn't in the middle. Washington runs all over. Yeah, they do. It's unfortunate that Fletcher... Didn't, didn't finish out that game yesterday. Las Vegas at Denver. I'm going to go with Denver in that game. The Rams are home against the Cardinals. Don't know what's going on with Jared Goff's thumb. I'm going to go with Arizona. Seattle at San Francisco. I'm going to go with Seattle there. So those are my picks for week 17, the final week of the regular season in the NFL. And now, we talk a little playoffs. Excuse me for one second. We talk a little playoffs here. Ugh, a little dry there. So, as of right now, Craig, thanks for tuning in, bro. As of right now, we're going to talk 
AFC. I'm going to take the AFC first. Because the AFC, although some things could slightly change, not very much, but they look a little bit more solidified than the... And that's just because in one position, one team could be the number of three teams. So we'll get to that in a little bit. In the AFC, right now, if the playoffs were to begin, you would have the new change, one team in each conference getting the bye. That team in the AFC would be the Kansas City Chiefs, the reigning world champions, the reigning Super Bowl champs, who have the bye in the first round. Then you would have number seven play number two. That would be Browns, number seven, Steelers, number two, who ironically, like I mentioned, play each other in the final week of the regular season. Had the Browns won yesterday, they could have possibly moved maybe up to six and been playing someone else. So we'll see what happens. Uh, And the Steelers have won a division already, so we'll see what happens. Uh with the Browns when they play the Steelers on Sunday. The Ravens are going to the number three Bills. Again, I like the I would like the Bills in that game if I was uh picking. Or you know if I was picking. Yeah, I would like the Bills. I would take the Bills. Um they would be at home. Although Baltimore is playing a little bit better right now. Uh, Rick, thanks for tuning in. Although the Browns are, I mean, I'm sorry, the Ravens are playing a little bit better right now. It's okay, but they, I don't think they have the total swag and moxie that the Bills have, if you will, right now. Uh, so I would, you know, if I was betting or whatever, and that playoff, the playoffs ended and it started like this, I would go with the Bills. The Dolphins at the Titans, I would go with the Titans there. Uh, just the experience, um, the running game there is just amazing what Derrick Henry has done. Um, two teams, two players with the stiff arms and all of that. So I would go with the Titans there. Moving on to the NFC. If there was, if it was right now, the Green Bay Packers would be the number one seed with the bye. The Chicago Bears would be the number seven seed, facing off against the New Orleans Saints. The Rams would be the number six, uh, going up against a division rival and the Seahawks at number three. That game would be very, very questionable because you don't really know the health as of yet, of the starting quarterback, Jared Goff, for the Rams. So, that one would be a tough one for the Rams to pull out. And number five, the Bucks versus the way it stands right now will be the Washington football team. But, like I mentioned when I told you about that schedule this week, it could be the Washington football team, the Dallas Cowboys, or the New York Giants. So it's like a 4, a 4A, and a 4B for the NFC. And that's just the way this division is. It's been crazy all along. And it's somewhat 
amazing to see that at one point in time, this division was talked about as being one of the toughest divisions in the NFL. That has totally gone away, dust dust clouds, whatever, smoke disintegrated and has gone away completely. And this year just put us an exclamation point on how it has gone away and has been since going away because this division is horrible. You're looking at a division that's going to send a possible seven-win team into the playoffs because of the expansion and because of the poor division. Like I mentioned the last several weeks, the whole division is poor. Uh, Some teams got better at the right time. One team digressed. (laughs) Uh, But it's just a bad division overall. You know, you just got some are a little bit better bad than the others. And, you know, that's just the way it is with the division. Like I said, somebody had to win the division, and that one team will be in the playoffs at the number four seed because they win the division and there's four divisions. So the number, so, you know, the divisions get the top four seeds, I think, in that. So I don't know, but they would be a number four seed over. Uh, 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 let me see. Yeah, uh, over a Bears team that would fall in at number seven. Um, a Bucks team that falls in right above them at number five. Very weird. Very weird. With that, so that that's how the NFL has set it up, and that's the way it is. We'll see what happens on. We'll see what happens tonight, and we'll see what happens on Sunday, going into. The playoff Uh, just reported Alex Smith Richard is reported to start on Sunday. So there you have it. Eagles will be playing out the slate. Washington football team will be playing for the division with Alex Smith at the starting quarterback position. Moving in to the NFL draft order now. A lot of talk was about the Jets and what getting the number one pick and whatever. Jets won two games. They fall to the number two pick and propel the Jacksonville Jaguars into the number one spot. So this is your draft order, the top 18 picks. The Jaguars at number one. Number two, the New York Jets. Number three, the Falcons. Four, the Dolphins. Five, the Bengals. Number six, the Philadelphia Eagles. The Giants at number seven. The Detroit Lions, number eight. Carolina Panthers at number nine. Denver Broncos round out the top ten. Moving on, number 11, the Los Angeles Chargers. Number 12, the Dallas Cowboys. 13, the Minnesota Vikings. 14, the Niners, San Francisco 49ers. 15, the New England Patriots. 16, the Las Vegas Raiders. Rounding out the top 18 at 17 and 18, the Arizona Cardinals and the Indianapolis Colts. There, folks, you have that. And that is your recap of week 16. A little bit of playoff talk. A little bit of this. uh, Not much, but just giving you the draft order. It is 40 minutes past the 11 a.m. hour. I want to go into my first break. Uh, Rich, now do you trust Howie to make a good pick at that decision? 
my friend, is that a rhetorical question? We went to school together, bro. Why are you asking me rhetorical questions while I'm on the air? Thanks, though, for putting me on the spot. No, I I, I don't trust Howie uh, picking at that position. Uh, If People, if you don't understand, because there's so much that goes into an NFL draft and so many picks, if you will, a number six spot in the first round is like winning the golden ticket at Willy Wonka's. My wife is going to love that because I said that. It's like winning the golden ticket at Willy Wonka's. And people will probably say, well, no, the number one pick isn't. Nah. Number one pick is a lot of pressure there. A lot of pressure, a lot of avenues, and a lot of ways you can go to actually kick off the draft because you can go need you can go uh want you can go best player available uh you can go plans on look i'm gonna draft this kid whatever package him with so-and-so make a trade and come down and get who i want ah it's a lot you can do with that number one so i don't think that number one is covered as much as i i would like it to be or as much as i would say it would be that in that range there, that five, six, seven, I think those are, are like key spots. Um, Richard C. laughs out loud. says, thank you. I know it was a rhetorical question. I'm thinking he's eyeing the kicker at that spot. Listen, if he, if you leave it up to Howie, he might draft a girl from, uh, what is it, from Vanderbilt. He may try and draft her. So we don't know what's going on with him. But. I I also again think that one, two, and three are like it's too many ways that you can go with one, two, and three. Because if you're at the number one spot, you can ideally take the top player on your list or your draft board at that number one spot if that's what you want to do. At number two, and I'm basing this, this when I'm getting ready to go through these number three, one, two, three, I'm basing this on some teams having similar players uh, at the high points on their board. So, you're at number two. You could possibly still get the number one person on your draft board. If you had by chance, same person at number one that the previous team had at number one, you're arguably, you can get, well, not arguably, but you can now get the number two person on your draft board. So you're still sitting pretty. It's not that hard there. Number three, same thing. You may have one or two of those players both going bang eyes are not very high at that being the case but at number three you could arguably still get the number one person on your draft board now when it gets to number four and especially in this particular draft order 
where it's going to be a little tricky, or I feel like it's going to get a little tricky. You've got the Dolphins right now sitting at that number four spot. Playoff team. Got this pick in the trade. Okay, but nonetheless, the number four. Playoff team. Ideally, there, because they're a playoff team, a little bit chances are a little bit better than not that they may look to go need there because they've already they already have what they have and went to the playoffs. They'll know by then what they need, what holes they need to plug. So arguably, there it's a very very good chance they could go need there. Then that leaves or brings up number five. Still haven't gotten to the Eagles at number six yet, so just sit tight. At number five, Cincinnati Bengals. Another team that could go need due to the fact that hopefully they'll have a healthy uh Joe, their quarterback of the future. Hopefully he'll be healthy enough to start the season out. Joe Burrow. So now they might might also think need. And when I say need, for the Dolphins it could be maybe another piece on defense. Let's just go there for a second, playing hypotheticals. Then we come back, we get to the Bengals again. So we know we, we can just thinking a little bit how an NFL GM may possibly think and coaching staff. We got Joe Burrow, got a little bit around, got some talent here, whatever, whatever. He got hurt end of this season. Maybe we need to look at offensive line, see what we can bring in, who could possibly start, who could possibly be very shortly the starter. Again, need because of where they were. Tawanda Williams, thanks for tuning in. Then we move to number six, the Philadelphia Eagles. At this point, we as fans, we know what the holes are, where the need is. So, of course, front office knows where the holes are, what the need is. At this point at number six, you are probably down to two, pushing it very close, three on your top five board left. So I'm going to swing more closer to two on your top five draft board left. Now, at this point, even though I said the Bengals could go with need because of their situation, it's a little different than what the Eagles situation is right now. The Eagles situation right now is just bad all the way across the board. So staying here for a second. It gets tricky because you could, like I said, I'm going to go with two. Uh, your top five still remaining on your draft board. Two of those could possibly be needs, but knowing the Eagles, 
it's not going to be the need that you expect. So it becomes tricky because for them it get down it begins to get down to in my belief what position they value most. In my opinion, it should be linebacker and defensive back. Secondary has been obliterated for the last couple of years. Uh, Jim Johnson insists on leaving his corners out on an island in the man-to-man. These guys that are playing, unfortunately due to injuries, but nonetheless, these guys that are playing right now are not yet built for that. You are playing against NFL wide receivers. There's film on you, so teams are going to watch what you do. Teams are going to know where your holes are. It starts there. Then you can move towards that defensive line, which is very good. Heart and soul of that defense. That linebacker position. Yeah, secondary needs to be upgraded. They are definitely horrible, yes. You move into that linebacker core. Now, mind you, Alex Singleton, Alex Singleton had a good year. The rookie was okay. But if it wasn't for that defensive line being number two in sacks, surprisingly, you would not know about this defense. All you would know is that this defense continually gets torched. So, again, then you move into number seven. Like I said, that five, six, seven is where I think it's the trickiest uh seven the giants there you know they can go need um at that point it's not really much to stash for the future there for the way this draft door is playing out the lions would probably go need uh whatever and so on and so on and so on so there you have it folks that is uh your first segment of the sports red podcast sit tight hold on um at six they may go a wide out Devontae. Uh, Devonte Smith, very yeah, he is a beast. So, but again, we're talking about how we hear Rich. So, we don't know what's going to happen. You are or have been tuned into the Sports Web Podcast right here on Heat One Hundred Radio. It's your boy D. I will be back on the other side, and we will get into some NBA talk. We'll talk some Sixers and coast this thing, ride this thing out on this Monday. See you on the other side in just a few minutes. Second segment, tuned in to the show. I'm glad you were, glad everybody that tuned in on the first segment. Hope most of you come back. We will begin to get into our NBA uh, segment of the day. But before we get into that, we will talk a little bit about this MLB thing. And uh, Mel, thanks for tuning in. I mentioned that in my uh, news and updates that the end. Major League Baseball is now going to include the uh, Negro Leagues into the statistics of as a major league. So one of the quotes is, uh, and I quote from Major League Baseball on Wednesday, says, correcting a long-time oversight in the game's history by elevating the Negro Leagues on the centennial of its founding. End quote. You know, um, I think that's pretty good. Like I said, the Negro Leagues ran from about 1920 to 1948. They began to fizzle out 
after Jackie Robinson was the first became the first black player to make it into the major leagues. Um, those leagues were excluded in 1969 when the Special Committee on Baseball Records identified six official major leagues dating to 1876. Um, and quote, it is MLB's view that the committee's 1969 commission of the Negro Leagues omission, I'm sorry, from of the Negro Leagues from consideration was clearly an error that demands today's designation. Okay, so that is the league statement on what they felt uh, was some wrongdoing um, on the committee's behalf. So you're looking at a lot of players, like I mentioned, who could have some stats adjusted. Um, one, for instance, uh, Willie Mays. Okay. Uh, could be credited with uh, 17 hits from his 1948 season with the Alabama Black Barons. Okay. Um, there's another guy who, Satchel Page, who currently is credited with, with 28 major league wins, should add at least 146 to his total. Yes, Richard says, such a travesty. These men should have been in there, in there when alive to celebrate their achievements. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm seeing this. Thanks for tuning in, Robert Reeves. Rich, I'm looking at this now that you brought that up, and I'm seeing what's going on, and I'm giving accolades to them adjusting the stats and adding the stats to it. It's a little weird to me because I'm going to a place where I'm thinking, but how are they going to recognize the families? for these accomplishments just another thought that, that i just you know sometimes I, I get crazy thoughts like that and i think and sometimes i have to say them out loud but nonetheless yeah that was a thought of mine uh, um as well josh gibson uh, who had a 441 batting average in 1943 would mark the best season ever okay now i also quote say we couldn't be more thrilled by this recognition of significant significance of the Negro Leagues and Major League Baseball history, um, said Edward Schauder, legal representative for the Gibsons estate and co-founder for the Negro Leagues Player Association. Again, I quote, and he says, Josh Gibson was a legend who would have certainly been a top player in the major leagues if he had been allowed to play, end quote. Hmm. So, there you have that. And, again, somewhat kudos to the major leagues for doing that, but it should have been done a long time ago. So, there you have that. So, I'm going to now bring you up to speed on the NBA scores from Sunday. And let's get right into it. Uh, the Mavs beat the Clippers 124-73. The Spurs fall to the Pelicans, 95-98. The Magic defeat the Wizards, 120-113. The Nets fall to the Hornets, wow, 106-104. The Sixers fall to the Cavs, will get demolished by the Cavs, 118-94. The Bucks lose by a dub to the Knicks, 110-130. The Warriors edge out on a last-second buzzer beater. The Bulls, 129-128. Celtics fall by one to the Pacers, 108-107. The Suns take the Kings, 116-100.
Timberwolves fall to the Lakers, 121-91. So there you have it. Those are your scores from Sunday's NBA action. So, the NBA is underway. NBA began uh, on the 22nd, which is my birthday, as you all remember. So thanks for all the birthday shouts. Thanks for all the belated birthday shouts uh, to everyone. NBA started December 22nd. There are some things to talk about locally. Some things to talk about nationally. So, I say that to say that I know and understand Philadelphia fans, and I'm jumping right in and making reference to yesterday's game. I know Philadelphia fans. It was, like they say, like Jay-Z once said, it was all, it was all good just a week ago. 2-0 starting out, and you get there, and you just lay an egg against the Cleveland Cavaliers, helping them improve to 3-0 and for the first time in God knows how long. Joel Embiid did not play because of back tightness. So, you start Dwight Howard. And like we continually say, in Dwight Howard, we know what we have in a backup center. Yesterday was not a good showing, considering how they played in games one and game two. It was kind of like that Jekyll and Hyde thing. The light switch was on first two games. Light switch was off game three. Not even dimmed, it was off. 20-plus turnovers is not going to get you a win in the NBA against anybody. Okay? On, on an average, if they score on every possession, let's, say, let's break it down and just say 20 turnovers. You know basketball, you count by twos, threes, and then one free throws and one. So we're not even counting free throws in there. For sakes of hypotheticals, we're going to take the three-pointer out. And you have 20 turnovers, at least. And let's say they score on every turnover. Come on, people. We all know the math. It's 40 points that you just gave away. Gave away. And like I said, I didn't count the three. I was playing devil's advocate. I went hypothetical when I just said two, the normal bucket. Yes, Richard says they were all flat. They came out, thought they could slow up, show up and play. 21 turnovers, seven by Simmons. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I could very easily say there were some questionable calls. But, again, I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm not going to harp on that because that's been the going rate uh, in, a, in a couple of uh, professional sports the past several years. So we're not going to uh, add that into the mix. We're going to call a spade a spade, and we're going to talk about the players who performed on the court. Um, again, the coach can only put you in the best position to win. If your players don't step up, then you have a problem. There's a communication problem. There's something else. Uh, in a lot of ways, yesterday, they looked like 
the teams that Brett Brown coached often, who guys were unsure what they were supposed to do, um, unsure of when to take a shot. Okay, Lynch, um, try turning it up a little bit. And um, they they really, really, really played flat, like Richard said, really flat, excuse me for this technical difficulties here. Um, yeah. So they really came out flat. Um, and I guess they figured they just beat the Knicks. Uh, they're playing against Cleveland. They just figured that they were more talented on paper, which they are. And they just figured that they could just walk right in there and do pretty much whatever they wanted, just go through the motions and get that win. This is the NBA. Teams like Cleveland. Um, like I said, I like what they did against New York. No, no, no offense, Lynch. I'm just talking uh, basic basketball here, so I'm going to take the team, teams out for a second. Um, what they did the other night, a team that they should beat because of the talent levels, comparison of talent levels they beat. Took them a little bit to get it right, but they eventually got it right, and and they won. So my guess or my assumption is that they looked at Cleveland in that same light. It's a team we should beat. So now let's just go ahead and get this game. Big fella's not playing. So when the big fella's not playing, you, you, Tobias had a little bit better game yesterday. But you definitely need more. Uh, we all know how the situation is with Joel Embiid and Andre Drummond. So like Allah said, or someone said on the TV broadcast yesterday that I was watching, so his name, when he found out that Joel Embiid wasn't playing, he probably lit up. Again, going back to that reference, he probably felt like, um, he probably felt like he had the golden ticket to Willy Wonka's. I think... One of the things the players should have done, or yeah, the players should have done, was let Dwight Howard, I think, should have established himself a little bit more uh, physically on the offensive end. Uh, when you got guys that are playing as free as they are, or thinking they can play as free as they are, and you have a viable substitute, you have to at least make them play on the defensive end, make them work on the defensive end. Because we all know Dwight Howard's going to make you work on, on his end on a defensive end. On your offensive end, he's going to make you work. So you got to return the favor and make them work on, on their defensive end. Guys have to stop standing around. Uh, when Joel's in the game, they move. They give him the space to operate, but they get to their spots. And this is just because they, everybody was standing on the perimeter yesterday. There was like no, it didn't seem like there was any offense being run yesterday at all. Uh, let's see. Richard says, this team isn't good enough or seasoned enough or just show to just show up. The Cavs were missing two starters and love went out in the game. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they, they have to go out and play. With their talent, they have to go out and play like the Cavs played against them yesterday. 
JoJo was all safe. And for all intent purposes, they lost by 24. JoJo's averaging 27. So you could arguably say if Joe has played, had played, he gets his average, they win by three. But we take that out the picture because that wasn't the case. And I think Danny Green has to get more involved in the offense. I'm not liking seeing him playing minimal minutes and getting minimal shots. I think we have to get him. We have to get him into the offense. Although he is still, I see him talking to players, doing things and whatever on the court as a leader, a veteran, champion, should. I, I need to get him. I need to see him in the offense more, incorporate in the offense more. I see need to see Seth a little bit more. Um because we still struggle for that that player that can definitely get his own shot off the dribble. Shake is starting to show that on certain nights coming off the bench, but he's young, not really that seasoned yet, so it's not really what you can bank on right now. Um, is this going to be a recurring thing, low managed with, with Joel? I, I hope not. Um, and, you know, I understand if they say back stiffness because of the way he played in the first two games. And so I give you that one. I give you this one. We'll see down the line how it plays out the rest of the way. Um, getting back into it, you... I almost sit here and think that I want certain moments Danny Green or Seth to just take over in the offense. Uh, I, yeah, I was saying that, you know, it's been a while. Like I was talking about Shake, and I said he showed from time to time to be able to create and get his own shot, but he's young, not seasoned yet. Uh, Maxi shows that he can get to the rim and create off the dribble too. Still a rookie, so really, not even, you know, bare, barely toe deep, if you will, in the water in three games in the two NBA season. So, I, I feel like when JoJo's there, we do have to definitely play inside outside because we've seen what he can do so far, what the true JoJo can do with the proper spacing. Um. Shake needs time. He will get better as the season will go on. And love Maxi. He will get better too. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're both, I think, going to get better. Um, I think Shake has finally found, or Doc has finally found the right role for Shake. So we'll see how he keeps. Like, he didn't play too bad yesterday. Of course, it was just a, a funk over everyone. You know, he made a couple bad plays, but everybody did yesterday. So it was just a funk. But in that small span you know he played okay uh again i think i would like to see danny green or, or maybe even seth curry at time for maybe a couple minutes man stretches take over get the ball you get your shot and, and you do it um yeah green has got to get more involved he seems to be lost out there getting his shot seth yes yeah, i love it. that's why i say rich and i think that you know like i said i i see and we all have seen in the first two games how JoJo can be as can be dominant. So I think we need to continue to work that, keep him keep him as close as possible. And again, I'm okay with the turnaround fadeaway, the somewhat Hakeem shake and fadeaway jumper. I'm okay with that. 
I'm okay with the file line extended. And ironically, I'm okay with the three-pointers that he has shot in this season so far. And I say that because I've seen one where the clock was running down and he had to shoot it, but he was wide open. A couple others, plays broke down, Ben was posting, he just happened to be on the perimeter, again, wide open, shoot it. That's what you get paid to do. But Jimmy Butler used to tell him, shoot it. Now, the other issue is the continuing issue. I, I keep getting tips, I keep getting reports, and I've seen some footage. Um, ben Simmons has been working with Sam Cassell. Uh, let's see. I like when he shoots one, three, three, one to three three-pointers a game for the most part. Has to be on the block. Yeah, I agree. That's why I said, Rich, the ones that he shot weren't like plays set up for him to shoot that three. You know, it just happened to be a reverse of post players or the play broke down and he was already where he was. But wide open, yeah, them one to three, are, I'm fine with that. Uh, getting back to what I was getting into, um, I've seen tips and I've gotten or I've gotten tips and I've seen reports, seen some video. Sam Cassell working with Ben Simmons in practice, shooting that foul line extended jump shot. I I like Ben as a player. I love him as a defensive player. And in some ways, this is proving some of the things or one of the things that I have said when this all started with him at the point guard from Brett Brown and what I said. And people, if you don't remember what I said, what I always said, I always said that after he was announced as being the point guard and people were saying, yeah, he's the point guard, this and the other, a lot of today's basketball has gotten away from position basketball. It's a lot of positionless basketball. But one of the things I also mentioned, and I continually said it, and I stick by this, Ben Simmons is not a point guard. Ben Simmons is playing point guard. Now, just to interrupt the Sixers stuff in this area, I have to bring this point up and break this down for you people. So people that are tuned in that may, may have not heard me say that, may not understand what I mean by that. Ben Simmons in college had a point guard. Ben Simmons in high school had a point guard. And I say that to mean some other player that was playing that position. Ben Simmons was great in transition. High school, college. Does not make him a point guard. Ben Simmons has a very a high basketball IQ. He looks to make the correct basketball play more times than not. No issues with that. He was given the ball and designated the point guard. Had that successful 2017 year. Yada, yada, yada. Went on, you know, and then he stayed there. And we are where we are today with him playing the point guard position. One of the toughest positions in the NBA to come in and play as a young player, and I still consider Ben a young player because he's been only in the league, what, four years, three, four years, whatever, maybe, yeah, three, four years, whatever. But one of the toughest, if not the toughest position to come in and play 
especially if you had no experience or extended experience playing that position, is the point guard in the NBA. You are the extension of the coach on the floor with your teammates. So for him to have never played the actual point guard position prior to the NBA is tough. It's a learning process. I get it. I understand. Hence, one of the things that I loved about the Washington game when it got late in the game, and I'm sure Doc was just feeling some things out because it's the first game. And, I mean, come on. It's three games in. I'm just calling, just telling you my analysis of yesterday. I'm not saying I'm jumping ship. I'm not saying the season is out the water. None of that. I'm just giving you my take on what I saw yesterday. Uh, Again, getting back to what I was talking about with Ben Simmons and playing the point guard, I liked one of the things that Doc did um, against the Wizards where late in that fourth quarter, Shake had been playing well. He kept Ben Simmons on the floor, but he put the ball in Shake's hands. Late in that game, Ben Simmons got stretching here maybe. I can't remember exactly numbers. <laughs> Rasheen, thanks for tuning in. Can't remember exact numbers, but two key steals, two key buckets to seal, help seal that win against the Wizards. Okay. Shake has played point guard before. He played point guard at SMU under Larry Brown. So he has some time there. Not saying he's the right now, as I've always said, Shake is better coming off the bench right now, and maybe he can grow into an NBA starter. I think, again, like I mentioned a little couple few minutes ago, I think Doc and him have found the right role for him right now on this team. But when your key guy is out, Joel Embiid, um, and this is leading me right into what I'm getting ready to say. Uh, Richard Drummond says, Ben just has to just to shoot the 10-footer. Defensively, is he, defensively, he is all pro, maybe three, five times a game. Uh, he could be a point forward, like you said, positionless NBA. He needs to hit the jumper and post up like he did at the end of the Wizards game. Yes, absolutely, Rich. So he is has two point guards, two former NBA point guards on his coaching staff, his head coach and Sam Cassell. Very good point guards. Uh, Sam Cassell won two championships with the Houston Rockets. Doc Rivers had a very good career as a point guard in the NBA. And I'm sure they are talking and teaching to him, talking and talking to him and teaching him or trying to teach him some of the nuances of being a point guard if they're going to leave it that way. But what I was getting to or alluding to um, initially was the fact that um, I've been seeing reports and getting tips um, and seeing video that Sam Cassell has been shooting. Um, we're working with him on shooting. Uh, foul on extended jumpers in the paint. And my only issue with that is it's great to see it in practice when there's nobody guarding you. But you now have to transfer that and have that same mentality when you get on the court in live action. Uh, a lot of people have been saying if he does get that jump shot, he could be LeBron-esque. Um, maybe, not sure, but LeBron worked on his game and got his jump shot together, yada, yada, yada. 
my my point there is you playing the point guard and I'm not going to reference Magic Johnson so people don't get upset. You being the point guard at 6'10", there are going to be more times than not the other team's point guard uh, guarding you because usually point guards guard point guards. If you get that foul line extended jump shot, you're shooting over the top. Um, in a lot of ways, I like Kevin Durant. No matter who it is, you're shooting over the top. Let's just say Kevin Durant is playing this small forward. Sometimes they move him to the two pot, arguably, in this somewhat positionless and then somewhat and then always positionless basketball with the small ball and things of that nature. So even two and three for Kevin Durant, a lot of times he's shooting over his defender. So with Ben Simmons, it could be the same thing, but You've got to shoot that. A lot of people are still talking about he want they want him to shoot one to three, two threes a game. I really don't need to see him shoot a three. I, I need him to stay where he lives, go downhill, but add that foul line mid-range jump shot. Because, again, that's what Kobe used as the killer. It's what a lot of people use as a killer. And... You can grow into the three-pointer, yes. But I would definitely, definitely love to see you shoot that mid-range, foul line extended. Because, again, you're going to be shooting over players that are guarding you. Uh, Richard chimes in again. He says, ben, ben has to become more aggressive, especially when Joel is not playing. He, he has to become more dominant and want to score, Yes. He can't, he can't be afraid to take shots. Who cares if you miss some? Yes, they at least uh, they at least have to defend you. Absolutely. This opens up the lane and it stops defenses from sagging in. And, and I think, now that you brought that up, Rich, thank you. I think some of what you just said could be part of the reason why Danny Green may look confused um, on the offense. We know the corner three is his shot. And I'm just thinking of this as you say this, Richard, and I'm running highlights back in my head. Uh, he also chimes in. He says, Michael Jordan made his living at the mid-range jumper, and mid-range jumper is the lost art of, a game, uh, lost art of the NBA. Absolutely. Now, what I'm getting just in defense of Danny Green, I'm thinking of, like I said, I'm flashing highlights from three games with the Sixers so far. And then I'm immediately jumping to San Antonio Spurs, Toronto Raptors and LA Lakers. And again, like I said, LeBron is beginning to shoot that mid-range jump shot. But then you got Anthony Davis. So Lakers, Lakers is a little tough. Let's let's stay Toronto and San Antonio. San Antonio, you had when he was there, you had guys that could step in and shoot that mid-range jumper. Now, like you said, Rich, somebody has to guard that player shooting that mid-range jumper. So now it's harder for you to cheat, it's harder for you to double. And it creates a little bit of space because now, because you are hitting that mid-range jumper, the person that's guarding that corner three has to sometimes take a look, take a peek and see what's going on off of his shoulder. He may need the help for the drop pass to the big or something like that. You know, so at that point, I get where Danny Green was comfortable. That's not clicking as of yet with the Sixers right now. Then I look at Toronto. Again. 
You got your guards, Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry. Then you had, for that one year, you had Kawhi and Siakam, guys that utilize the mid-range, that make defenders sag in, that create that space where, again, that wing corner three defender sometimes has to look, may even have to cheat in, and with the consistency of shooting, not making it all the time, but the consistency of shooting that mid-range jump shot gives him maybe a step off, a half a step off, if the ball gets kicked there and he's got to get back. And Danny being 6'8 can get that shot off. So that's where I, that's what I was thinking when I said a little while back that at some point in some moments in some of these games, even though it's only three, I felt like because the closest that we have in our starting five uh, as aggressive and aggressive as getting to or getting into their own shot is Steph Curry, in my opinion. So I think that at some point, Steph Curry in some motions uh, in some plays may have to just take over and, and create a little bit or give the facade or, 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 you know, give the facade of creating so that that defense can create a little bit more space for Danny Green. I mean, of course, you would have to go opposite side of Joel so you don't force the double in tight quarters. That way, you still have operating room because, folks, if you think about it, we all know basketball. It's still the triangle. If you got somebody in the mid-range, you got Danny Green in the corner, you got Joel opposite side on the block or close to the block. That's your triangle. Nobody said it had to be a perfect triangle, but it's still your triangle. Okay? Basic offense. You mid, That mid-range jump shot or that mid-range game will create the space for both of them. Because especially if you're hitting that mid-range, at some point, just basic basketball, that big, whether it be Joel or the power forward or whoever, is going to have to cheat. It's going to cheat off. Then you can, you know, make the right pass, drop to Joel. Or on the opposite way, like I said, that player guarding that wing is going to start hedging in if you're putting some work in in that mid-range. He's going to have to start edging in and turning his head the right quick enough kick with a guy 6'8 who lives in that spot can knock that jump shot down. So, three games in, folks, and the Sixers are 2-1. I, again, I, I know and I understand that it's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, I know it's a 10-game shortened season, season, but I think that they will get it together because, like Ben Simmons said, um, one thing he said about Doc Rivers, he said that, he loves the fact that he'll tell you straight up. He's not going to sugarcoat. He's not going to hide from you. He's going to tell you what you need to do and not give you that false impression of what you need to do or what you should do to succeed or be successful. Um, Rich is saying, agree with me, so exactly. They have the triangle, but if you don't shoot the jumper, it breaks down. Absolutely. Because you end up having two defenders being able to play one person. Then you're outmatched. So we will definitely see, like I said, I'm one to say that I think it's going to come together. Yeah, the season is early, Rich. Um, they will get it. Get, yeah, they'll get it together as the season goes along. And again, it's going to come in practice. You've got a new head coach, new coaching staff, new key players, shortened training camp. So 
I think it's going to come together. It's just going to take a little bit of time. And now you have a coach that is definitely going to hold these guys accountable and work on it in practice, have these guys work on it in the film room, have coaches work with these guys individually to get the job done, to get the best out of them that they uh, can. So that, my friends, is a wrap for today. We definitely got a lot covered, a lot discussed. Um, thank to, thanks to everyone that tuned in. Always, Rich, uh, thanks to you for tuning in as well. Always for chiming in on social media. Like we mentioned to, to each other on social media, we definitely have to talk about a day to get you in here live so other people can hear your voice and see you too. Nate, thanks for tuning in, bro. Uh, so with that being said, tonight's NBA schedule Coming up, you got Pistons at Hawks, Grizzlies at Nets, the Jazz are at the Thunder, the Rockets are at the Nuggets, and the Blazers are in La La Land to face off against the L.A. Lakers. It's your boy D. You have been tuned in to Sports Rap here on Heat, Sports Rap Podcast here on Heat 100 Radio. You know where to find me. You can get me, iHeartRadio for the podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Facebook, the group, Sports Rap Podcast, at Sports Rap underscore D on Instagram and Twitter, website, SportsRapRadio.com, and YouTube, Sports Rap TV. Get at me. Get to me. If you can tune in, video was up or will be up. You know that. Ask me questions. Send me topics. We will get whatever we can get on. You will be acknowledged. And thanks for tuning in, everybody that tunes in here live and also on social media i will see you next week when i see you next when you next hear my voice we will be into 2021 we'll talk a little bit about how the new year went and how sports played out with all that's going on continually it's your boy d signing out see you next week